Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and I had a fascinating conversation with Ian Morgan Cron this week. Ian is an Episcopal priest and trained psychotherapist who truly is a pioneer in the contemporary Enneagram movement. His best-selling book, The Road Back to You, provides an overview and understanding to the Enneagram as a powerful tool for personal and spiritual growth and as a resource for transforming your relationships. Now, on this week's episode, Ian and I discuss how self-awareness is key in our relationship with God and with others. Ian shares about the Judeo-Christian roots of the Enneagram, and we talk about ways the Enneagram can help us be more effective as ministry leaders. Ian also highlights several resources to assist you in your journey if you're curious about the Enneagram and how it can impact your life in your ministry. So please, won't you join me in my conversation with Ian Morgan Cron. Ian, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. It is a joy to have you with us today. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you as well. Now, Ian, you have invested uh, in, in really kind of unlocking the Enneagram and how it helps people better understand themselves and even better understand others and how they relate to others. Can you begin, for those who might be listening in and may not be as familiar um, with the Enneagram, can you begin by giving us a basic overview of, of what really is the Enneagram? Sure. The Enneagram is a ancient personality typing system that teaches there are nine basic personality types in the world, one of which we gravitate toward and adopt in childhood as a way to cope and feel safe uh, in the world. Very importantly, um, there is an underlying motivation for each of these nine types that powerfully influences the way that type acts, thinks, and feels on a moment-to-moment -moment basis as, as it moves through the world. That's fascinating. Now, now, is this something that you say that we adopt, that we just kind of lean toward, or is this something that's kind of, you know, created within us? Well, I mean, personality is a very, very complicated conversation in the world of psychology, right? And I think it's safe to say that our personality is both um, nature and nurture, right? In whatever proportion, uh, we are hardwired with certain traits and, uh, Others are ones that we develop as adaptive strategies and coping mechanisms as little kids. Um, so it's really the confluence of both of those that begin to create the human personality. Can you talk to us a little more about the origins of the Enneagram? Like, like where did this come from? And it's, it's had a, a massive um, kind of resurgence in popularity over the last several years. People are, you know, looking more into it. But, but where did it all start? You know, it's a good question. Um, the... The school that I come from would say that the, the Enneagram's roots are in the Judeo-Christian tradition. Uh, we have um, ties back to uh, a monk in the fourth century whose name is Evagrius Ponticus, where we see the beginnings of the Enneagram uh, system being used. Uh, years later, it emerged in the Catholic Church among the Jesuit community, they use the Enneagram as a way to help them uh, do spiritual direction with young priests or novices. And uh, it really wasn't until about the 1970s that, that books were published about the Enneagram. Uh, 
so now I would say that it's a combination of both uh, its Christian roots and, uh, you know, the way that it's been informed by popular psychology or, you know, different psychological schools in the last hundred years. So, you know, the Enneagram has a little bit of a, not mysterious, but it's, it's an evolving system. And as an evolving system, you know, it's, you know, it's had so many hands on it. It's hard to say really, you know, it started with, you know, this person or that person, you know, it's, it's been Mm -hmm. a continually evolving system. Yeah. So Ian, um, some, some people, kind of push back against the Enneagram. You know, some people within the church, I would say, you know, they, they fear that it, um, you know, has mystic roots and those types of things. You know, they kind of sometimes will clump it in with with other other things that are kind of outside of um, Christian spirituality and those types of things. How do you respond to, to those skeptics? You know, what's so interesting about The Road Back to You, which is the book I wrote about the Enneagram, you know, I've written several books, and uh, of all the books I've written, it's the one that has been most widely accepted in the Christian community, um, and been, you know, uh, critically, uh, you know, accepted in some circles, acclaimed. I mean, it's it's had a very warm welcome in the Christian community. So I don't actually run into a lot of pushback on it. Um, that said, when people do have pushback on it, I you know, I try to assure them that when the Enneagram is taught from, you know, a gospel-centered point of view, it's a tremendously, ho- you know, helpful tool. Mm-hmm. Anybody can take something good and turn it into something distorted, right? Right, right. Um, if you Google the word Enneagram, you're bound to see some crazy stuff come up. <laughs> if you, But if you Google the word, words Jesus or Bible, <laughs> you're right, going right. to see some crazy stuff come up, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it really is all in the hands of the teacher, right? And uh, so what I've tried to do is, is put it out there in a, uh, a deeply gospel-centered way. Um, and I, I've just seen tremendous benefits to others that have come about as a result. Excellent. Now, um, in the road back to you, it, it, you, you help us understand how the Enneagram relates to um, our spirituality in some ways. So can you talk to us, how does, how does the Enneagram help us as um, people who are seeking to honor God with our lives and to grow and develop as disciples. Yeah, you know, um, it's very interesting. Um, John Calvin, uh, I think in the second sentence uh, of, the, of the Institute, so he gets it out right up front, right? <laughs> um, you know, Calvin talks about this idea that, um, uh, that knowledge of God begins with knowledge of self. And that's a powerful idea. St. Augustine does, says it as well. He, he has this wonderful prayer. He says, Lord, may I know myself that I may know thee. So there seems to be a connection, if you will, between knowledge of self and knowledge of God, right? I think what Calvin may have been driving out there, in part anyway, was the knowledge of self leads to a knowledge of the need for grace, And one of the great things that the Enneagram does is it reveals to us that which is best about who we are and that which is most broken about who we are. And uh, unlike other personality typing systems, whether it's Myers-Briggs or DISC or StrengthsFind or all these other sorts of things, um, the Enneagram reveals that what's best about us is often what's worst about us. And what's worst about us is what's best about us, if that makes sense. Um, that these are flip sides of the same coin. So 
developing self-awareness and self-knowledge is a very powerful um, way to um, enhance our relationship and understanding of God. How have you um, seen people as, I mean, you've, you've not only written on this, but you have traveled and you've worked with different ministries, universities, seminaries, um, nonprofits, in, in kind of working through the Enneagram and, and how the Enneagram helps us better understand ourselves and therefore better understand God. What, what are some of the things that you've seen um, come out of people who take the time and invest the time in understanding their Enneagram type and, and what that means for them personally, what that means and how they relate to others. What, what have you seen uh, as far as like growth in people's lives? Sure. Well, I'm, I can talk about my own life and, and uh, I suppose those of others. But, um, you know, for me, when I learned the Enneagram, what it began to reveal is why I kept seeing these repeating, self-defeating, self-sabotaging patterns of thinking, acting and feeling in my life. Right. Mm hmm. Um, and it began to shine a, a spotlight, if you will, on, um, you know, ways that I was interacting with the world and with other people that were unhealthy, um, at times unloving and unwise. And uh, what it helped me do then is to not only begin to work on those areas of my life intentionally and consciously, it, it actually also gave me a deeper sense of uh, my need for God's grace in my life and to have that grace seep its way into those dark corners of who I am to bring about significant life change. I've seen the Enneagram save marriages. I've seen it bring estranged parents and their children back together again. Uh, I've seen it uh, bring about a radical change inside of organizations, both corporate settings where I work and in nonprofit settings and churches where I, I've come to work and do workshops, et cetera. Um, it elevates compassion and empathy. It brings us an appreciation for difference. Um, for me, it's been the most powerful spiritual tool um, uh, on my belt, if you will. Now, that said, it's not the only spiritual practice or tool I have on my belt by a long shot, nor do I say that it's should be elevated into the position of being the be all and end all. I don't think it is. Um, but man, it is a very helpful tool. If you want to develop um, self-awareness and, and kind of the emotional wisdom it takes to, to walk through the world. Interesting. Ian. now talk to us a little bit about um, how this has been such a, a powerful spiritual tool, like practically speaking, um, whenever you uh, understand your Enneagram type, and you begin to process through that, um, what, what do you do with that? You know, what do you do with that to impact, you know, your life and your relationship with God, your relationship with others? Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Do you, sure. do you know your Enneagram type? Yes. What is it? I'm a seven. You're a seven. Yes. Okay. Let's just, let me use you as a beta test. How's that? Okay. Sure. Okay. So, uh, the enthusiasts, that's what we call the sevens. Um, as I mentioned, every type has an unconscious motivation that powerfully drives how that type acts, thinks, and feels from moment to moment. The unconscious motivation for a seven is uh, a need to um, always be thinking about uh, the future, escapades, adventures, new things we can be doing, uh, new visions, uh, new restaurants, new movies, new 
you know, exotic vacations, new, ex, you know, everything is about the future. Everything is about um, all the wonderful things and on the horizon, this horizon of unlimited possibilities. That sound familiar? Yes, very much so. Okay. Now, the unconscious motivation, though, also has a sort of a shadow aspect here. Mm-hmm. And that is that the, the, the seven lives focused on the future and all of its exciting possibilities in a bid to avoid uh, feeling, you know, psychological and emotionally painful feelings, distressing feelings, things like stuck, um, anxiety, sadness, grief, disappointment, all these uncomfortable sorts of feelings that the rest of us know kind of come and go. It's just part of life. Sevens, aren't quite sure that they come and go. They're always worried they're going to get stuck in one forever. So it's always, let's think about the future. Let's think about the future and never kind of be in the present moment. Do I still sound like I'm preaching your life a little bit? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I, as I reflect on that, it's it's interesting because like I, I don't, I don't really feel a lot of anxiety or a lot of stress mm-hmm. about things that happen. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I have a lot of optimism, I guess, and, and hope that things kind of you know will come together um so i don't know if that's an avoidance of (laughs) of you know what's really happening um or not but you know as you're talking about you know anxiety i will say that when things are routine or or mundane um -hmm. i lose interest you know for for sure you know i'm and i guess that's kind of a part of that so sure so that that requires self-reflection Right. Uh, as you continue to do your work, I've, I've never met a seven who wasn't anxious underneath the surface. They may not have been always in touch with the anxiety because they're so focused on the sunny side of life. Hmm. Um, but there's often just a hum of anxiety buzzing underneath the skin of a seven. Right. Interesting. Now, now what I would say is if if you know a person was a seven, I'd say to them, well, how does this how can this help you in your spiritual life? Well, we all know, for example, that suffering is a, a pathway to spiritual growth. It's just unavoidable, right? And so if what you're doing all the time is thinking about the future, not the present moment, kind of trying to skate past difficult feelings or situations or painful situations or by perhaps putting a silver lining on them all the time or sort of uh, reframing them as a, as a po- negative things as positive things. Mm-hmm then you're avoiding the native soil of spiritual growth, which is discomfort and difficulty and pain. Um, We have a savior who was well acquainted with grief. And so I think it's important for sevens on their journey of spirituality to learn how to embrace suffering and allow it to do its work in them so they can become deeper, more well-rounded human beings who can empathize with others who are in pain and also just become fuller people. Mm. And that's just one tiny example of what, you know, I would say to a seven, right? Once you gain this kind of self-knowledge, it's like, well, gosh, you know, I have to be someone who can sit with and then uh, sort of tolerate discomfort, emotional and psychological discomfort, because that's going to make me a rounder, more healthy human being who is uh, made more, I think, in the image of a God who knows about pathos and suffering. Mm, that's fascinating. So as you're, as you're 
um, speaking to to pastors and ministry leaders, what are mm-hmm. some ways, some practical ways that um, they can use the Enneagram to help lead lead better? Um, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's self leadership, I'm we've talked a little bit about that, but what about um, you know leading? Uh, staff or volunteers within a ministry, um, how, how does the Enneagram become a, a tool or a resource to help in our leadership? Yeah, boy, I tell you, I've seen churches uh, and staffs completely changed by by the Enneagram. Boy, it's, it's, it's hard to know even where to start. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think one of the difficulties we all have in life is is trying to navigate the world of interpersonal relationships. You know, if you ask a pastor of a large church or a small church or, you know, CEO of a company, what they have to spend most of their time doing, right? And it's great. It's really frustrating is dealing with people's personalities, right? Right. It's like, how do I navigate a staff of five or, you know, or 300 on my church staff, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, how do I put those people in good positions? How do I understand the way they see the world? You know, it's interesting. I, I oftentimes say to leaders, I have this little quote, I say them all the time. One of the biggest mistakes you can make in life is to assume that your way of seeing the world is normal. Hmm. And, the, and the reason I say that is because if you think your way of seeing the world is normal, every time you meet someone who sees the world differently than you do, you will deem them abnormal <laughs> or <laughs> you, you, you will think to yourself, man, uh, this person's way of, of, of seeing the world uh, doesn't match up with mine. And therefore, you know, it kind of opens us up to judging the other person's worldview. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's a huge mistake because if the Enneagram is right, I think there are probably at least nine normal ways of seeing <laughs> the world. Right. Yeah. Now, when you're on a church staff, um, I think as a leader, you want to understand how you see the world and interact with the world. You also want to see how different people navigate the world with their worldview. And um, if you can, then um, what it's going to do is give you opportunity to uh, see just how um, you can incorporate these different worldviews into your your leadership world and it helps you to understand how it is that that people work how they function why they do the things that they do and when you have that kind of insight into other people then you can really lead them um with because you're not assuming that they see the world the way that you do Mm -hmm. and you can also begin to value their different way of seeing the world and uh, and to tap into it their many gifts so, I mean, the, the Enneagram, you know, I've worked with a, a company, a big Fortune 500 company not long ago, and uh, I spent the day uh, teaching, and then I came back about six months later for a check-in with their human resources person. And uh, I walked into this building in Manhattan, and I'm walking down the corridor of this big building, and I'm trying to find her office, and I, I can't find it. Um, because all the numbers on the doors don't make sense. You know, like I'm walking down the hallway. It's like a bad movie. I'm walking down this hallway. <laughs> I'm looking for this. I'm like, I'm lost in this maze. And she came out and found me. And I said, well, I, I couldn't find your office. The numbers don't make any sense. And she said, oh, those aren't the, the sweet numbers. Those are their Enneagram numbers. Hmm. And I said, really? She said, oh, yeah, we had such a great uh, learning experience. And we decided that we would put our individual Enneagram numbers on our 
office doors so that when people come in, they'll know uh, who it is that they're going to be spending time with in the next few minutes. And it helps them to understand the person that they're going to be with before they even walk in. And uh, I mean, it was, it was a terrific experience watching how the Enneagram removed so many of the inefficiencies, like, you know, communication problems, issues around conflict resolution. It's just people understood each other's way of seeing the world so much better that it made things hum along in a really exciting ways. Yeah. So Ian, it's, it's important for us to understand our own Enneagram type, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's just as important, it seems in in these types of situations for us to understand, you know, all nine types so that we, and, and, and know what other people you know, what, what type they are so that we can relate best. So let me ask this question. Is the, our, our Enneagram type, is that like, I'm a seven. So mm-hmm. being a seven, is that something that I am living in and will be living in my entire life? Is it something where I'm embracing the, the positives in seven and I'm looking at the weaknesses of seven? Or is it something where I'm looking at the other, other eight types out there in trying to, you know, incorporate those somehow into my life? Like, what do we actually do when we understand the number, you know, to to really maximize, you know, living? Yeah, well, you know, so, uh, for example, um, I would say that it's really important to know all nine numbers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, begin with knowing your number, right? But then familiarize yourself with all the numbers, so that you, you kind of get this you get a low resolution picture of the interior world of these nine other ways of being in the world. And that's incredibly powerful, right? You begin to understand what motivates them. What is, uh, what are their gifts and what are their blind spots? Um, how can you best bring out um, those elements and other people that will benefit the world and them? Um, you know, I'll tell you, let me give you an example of this with parenting. Um, my wife and I often look at each other and say, man, I wish we'd known this when our kids were little, you know, um, I wish we'd had this, these insights into our children early on versus now as, as adults, you know, um, because I've, I've experienced in my marriage and in my relationship with my children, such powerful insight into their interior architecture. And knowing that it's helped me to know how to love them better. Um, to uh, love them in a way that's actually more efficient, if you will, because I'm not just grasping around the dark. I have some hard data about them. And the other wonderful thing is, is it's given us a common vocabulary, a vernacular that has made communicating with each other really, really great. Uh, we don't talk about the Enneagram in my house, you know, day in and day out. I mean, it's, it's contrary to what some people might think. It's not something I'm, you know, constantly thinking about, you know, all the time (laughs) when I meet people or when I'm with my kids. Um, But that said, when, when things come up, let's say with my wife and I, and I'll say, gee, you know, honey, I'm beginning to sense that some of your tendencies as a peacemaker nine are are coming to the fore here. And, you know, um, now when we have conflict, it's not personal. Does that make sense? It's like we can talk about the nineness that's happening here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of like, okay, well, you've got a problem. It's like, no, I'm just sensing that some of the patterns of nine are starting to emerge here. What do you think? Ah. And suddenly, 
you know, we both agree what we both have understanding about what a nine is. And she owns the fact that she's a nine. And so the conversation is, uh, you know, easier, um, less likely to go off the rails. And we, we've just developed such a love for each other and the unique gifts of our type that we, we bring to our relationship. And uh, man, it's, it's fantastic to see that in the workplace, in marriages, with parents, with you know, small groups with whatever it may be, man, understanding each other um, in many ways is how we begin to love one another, right? Mm-hmm. Um, love is hard to do without understanding. Yeah. So if if someone wants to, um, you know, this is kind of fresh to them or they've heard about it, but they, they really don't know, like, well, how do I even know, you know, what Enneagram number I am? Um, mm-hmm. what, are, what are some resources uh, you know, some tools for people to begin to understand, you know, one, who they are, and then two, you know, how does that relate to other numbers? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, obviously, I would first recommend reading my book, The Road Back to You. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason I'm not embarrassed to do that is because, you know, the world, there's a lot of Enneagram books out there that are content rich, they're wonderful, but they're very long. You know, you're talking about four to 600 pages. And they're technical, you know, so they're a little bit dry at times. Whereas The Road Back to You is a a primer. It's an introduction to the Enneagram. You could read that book and get enough out of it that you could move the dial in a positive direction in your life without having to read another book, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or you could choose to go down the wormhole and learn as much about the Enneagram as you could and and then, you know, dive into other literature about it. But it's a great starting place for, for anybody. Um, You could go to my website. You could take the IEQ9 Enneagram assessment that would help you determine your type. Um, I encourage people to listen to my podcast, Typology, because on that show, what we do is we interview people of different types. And man, when you hear other people describe their personality type, it's so much more powerful than if I describe it to you. Hmm. Right. So I just spend my time teasing out um, people's experience of their personality and how they move through the world. And when you listen to it, it's really pretty amazing. Finally, for, for people who are maybe a little, maybe they know their type, they want to understand a little bit more deeply. We have a, a course called True You, which they can learn about on my website as well, which is Ian Morgan Cron, I-A-N-M-O-R-G-A-N-C-R-O-N.com. And uh, there's other offerings there as well. Yeah, that's that's excellent. So great resources. I know I've I've taken um, the the Enneagram assessment that that you have there. So um, very what did you intensive. Think? I, I thought it was amazing. Uh, you know, I, I've honestly I've I've taken a, a a few over the course of probably the last I don't know seven eight years, and um, I've always scored as a seven. But mm-hmm. I will say that um, this the assessment that I took with you was by far um, the the most. Um, is kind of the broadest and deepest. Um, mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that, you know, you, you need to carve out, you know, 20, 30 minutes or so to actually work through it. That's how, you know, uh, you know the, the breadth of, of that particular assessment. But yeah. the the report by far that I, I received was, I think it was like 42 pages of information that had to do with everything yeah. from how I relate in teams, you know, and I mean, it was super, super incredibly helpful. Um, yeah. It's the first time I've had, had, 
you know, anything along those lines. So I, I would highly recommend it. And we'll have links to not only your book and your website, but the assessment and everything in the show notes for our listeners, if you want to check that out. But um, very enlightening. And um, it, it's fun. I was talking with my oldest daughter, um, and she uh, she just got married this last year, and uh, she's mm-hmm. in her early 20s. And um, she has you know, been looking at that Enneagram or anything. And so we were just kind of talking through after I took the assessment, I was like reading things off to her over, over FaceTime that was on it. And it was just fascinating and uh, just kind of fun to talk through with the people who know you best because yep. they're like, Oh yeah, that's definitely yeah. you. Like, you know, this is this, well, yeah, I mean, reality to all could, this. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, you know, it's a little bit mind blowing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's like, wait, <laughs> I mean, how do not, they know me? Yeah. Yeah, people always tell me all the time, man, it's like, have you been reading my mail? Like, right, this is right. unbelievable. And uh, so let me ask you, I'm a podcaster, so I'm going to play interviewer for a minute. Yeah, How's sure. That? Okay. How has the Enneagram, knowing that you're a seven, affected your life, your marriage, your ministry, those sorts of things? Has it been of service to you? Um, yeah, I would say it has. Um, and again, it comes to self-awareness. And some of the things, like whenever you... You see, for me, you know, I, I, I look and find out that I was a seven and it was like, yeah, I definitely, you know, I'm not surprised at all by that. No one in my family is at all surprised that that is, mm-hmm. is what I am. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it has helped actually, as I process through, um, why I get, you know, I get excited about, change uh, you know mm-hmm. excited about new things like i lean mm-hmm. into that um mm-hmm. and i have to remember that not everyone else you know is that that's not exciting for everyone else in fact for a, right. a lot of people it's the opposite of exciting right so mm-hmm. that has helped me um yeah it's scary know, for us yeah people. exactly so to, to kind of understand um that you know you have to slow down and and help bring people along with you mm-hmm. um as, as you're facing change or as you're going through through some some sort of transition because where it might energize me um, it's very very taxing on others and and that's one of the things actually reflecting back across ministry over the years you know of course I didn't know my Enneagram number you know over throughout my entire ministry right so mm-hmm. and and I as a, a pastor and as a, a, a leader, Again, I would embrace change and get excited about change. You know, God is the God of creation, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like he's a creative God, so new, fresh things. And and actually having to think through, you know, if, if I would have um, better understood, I probably mm-hmm. would have done a better job um, leading people through change and transition mm-hmm. and understanding. And, and as a leader, I mean, you, you have to think through change management and all of that. But I, I think I would have... Um, had even better understanding and in how to help, you know, lead people through those types of changes. Absolutely. Right. I, like I'll give you another example of this um, in your life. Um, knowing that you're a seven, mm-hmm. you're a pastor of a church, let's say. Yep. Um, this could be true of any type. I always tell pastors, you, you know, not everybody in the room that you're preaching to on Sunday morning sees the world the way that you do. Right. And you better keep that in mind when you preach, because you may be only preaching to other people of your type in the room and nobody else. Mm. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody prays the same way. You you know, when a seven prays, it's a lot different than when a four prays. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? right. Uh, sevens, the prayer is about joy and possibility. And for the four, it's about lament. Mm. Um, and when you start to understand that, you know, the seven doesn't go, the seven leader doesn't go, oh, that guy's just a bummer. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Well, that guy's just a little bit depressed. It's like, no, lament is part of life. Value your fours. Right? Yeah. It, it's it's just having your eyes open to the, the wider world around you and understanding who people are and the gifts they bring to God's table. And if you don't have that, you're handicapped. Mm. You're really handicapped. Um, by the way, with your, what do you, you know, uh, do you know your wife's type? No, we do not. We have not. She's not gone through it yet. Ah, so, yeah. Has she resisted doing it? Um, not necessarily resisted. She okay, just good. she just doesn't understand it as much, and right. and so for her, it's just not you know not something that you know is like some uh, a priority. I guess you would say. Sure, right? I get it. I get it. And what about your daughter? My daughter is. I remember we talked about it. I I don't remember exactly offhand. I know that I don't think she's a four but we were talking about she lives in nashville and she was talking yeah. about how a great so, town, a great town i might add yeah that's where is that where you live as well yes it is yeah, yeah she's like so <laughs> many of her friends are fours you know what i mean in oh my nashville. gosh they're everywhere she's like every other person is a four so we had a whole conversation about that uh which was pretty interesting uh you know the creatives right. and that sort of thing so right well the reason i ask all this is because the wonderful thing about the Enneagram is, is once you have the information about different types, it's immediately actionable. Mm. And it's very practical, right? Uh, you can begin to, you know, put it to use right away in both your personal and pro- professional spheres. And it, again, I just, I can't commend it enough. I've, I've seen it do so much good for people in the world. Um, and man, I'll tell you the number of churches I know that have been sort of beautifully uh, upended in the best sense of the word, you know, right. um, there, there's a whole bunch of them out there and I'm, I'm so pleased. That's awesome. Ian, well, one, I want to thank you for all the, all the work you've done. You've, you've really dug in and explored this and you've made it accessible to so many, so many of us. And so I want to thank you for that. And again, for our listeners that, um, are interested in learning more, um, getting a hold of your book, taking the assessment, all those things. We will have all those links in the show notes. Encourage you guys to to check that out. It's a, it's a really helpful tool, and um, couldn't couldn't speak uh, more highly about it. Just in my own personal understanding and going through it, and just the self awareness and and how it uh, how it can help. So, thank you, Ian, for visiting with us today. Uh, any final words you'd like to leave with uh, the pastors and ministry leaders who are listening in today? Yeah, don't underestimate how important self-awareness is. Mm. Um, meaning the ability to understand and observe the way that you predictably and habitually act, think, and feel in different situations throughout the course of a day. Um, the ability to self-regulate and to self-lead uh, is all tied to the level of self-awareness and self-knowledge that you have. And, uh, and with it, I just guarantee you, it, it's sort of like when you start to understand who you are, it adrenalizes ministry. Mm. It, it, it really helps you to step into the best of who you are 
and appeal to the best and lead other people to the best of who they are. So blessings to all of you who are doing the good work. Amen. Excellent. Thank you, Ian, for taking time to be with us today. Hey, man, my pleasure. All right. God bless you, brother. You too. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. We hope you are finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast, and if so, we would appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcast so they can benefit as well. Thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send an email to podcast at churchleaders.com or connect with me on Twitter. You can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app, available for both Apple and Android. So be sure to check out Faith Play. Until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.